The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of love touches earth and the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered in the praise of God for our community here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Our worship today is aided and supported by our guest choir visiting us from the University of Hawaii, Voices of Aloha. You will hear from them in just a moment. We are so grateful for their presence, their gifts, their music, and their willingness to travel halfway around the globe. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. May we pray. 
Keep, O Lord, your household, the Church, in your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. For the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, we gather this day recognizing the beauty of the earth as the hymn and poet poetry put it for us, for the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies. Lord of all, to thee we raise this our prayer of thanks and praise. We also recognize the tragic cast of life, the challenge of corporate and personal sin in life, the truth of the saying that we know not what a day may bring, but only that the hour for serving is always present. We then come with our personal and our individual prayers of confession as together we sing the Kyrie eleison. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the first book of Kings, chapter 19, verses 1 to 15a. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for life, for, for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly, an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat. 
Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Galatians, chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if, in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me now in saying verses from Psalm 51 with the antiphon. Give ear to my words, O Lord, give heed to my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I plead my case to you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness, evil will not sojourn with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in awe of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Now, people of God, let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 7, verse 36, through chapter 8, verse 3. To you, O Lord. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the, and a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him as at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who was touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor has two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will he love more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my hair with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which for many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the, one to, but the one to whom little was forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some who, as one as some woman who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Harris, steward Chusa, and Susanna, and many others, who provided, them, who provided for them out of the, their resources. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. Please forgive the intrusive nature of this sermon, for I want to begin by taking a walk with you into the very attic of your soul. Though we, many of us, are friends, it is not my right to initiate such a visit. Though we are pastor and parishioners, it is not our right to force such a trek back up through the mist of time. You would need to make an invitation yourself, even to suggest the climb without any initiative on your part is rude of me. I apologize. Today's gospel, however, intrudes upon our very souls, whether the preacher has the right or not. As kingfishers catch fire and dragonflies draw flame, so truth, that light in which we see light, advances upon us. So we go ahead. We walk together upstairs to the landing. You have kindly turned on the hall light. Thank you. I wonder if this is a sign from you that you will welcome this joint venture. We pull down in the chain that loosens the attic portal. You know how that little door in the ceiling falls open and slowly a flank of wooden stairs comes down and down and down and touches our feet. We're ready to climb together into the darkness. Watch your step. You have not been up into the cobwebs and the dust of memory, the mothballs and the coverlets of history, the grime and the darkness of the past. It's a little slow going. This is your attic, though. You know it as well as you know your own past. In fact, it is your past, box by box and crate by crate. I have no right to be here, and if you ask me, I will leave. One has a right to one's own regrets. They are not common property. They are yours, these boxes and labels and shoes and hangers and records and amulets and souvenirs from the dusty past. One of you is looking over an old service uniform from the Great War, brown and rumpled. Another sees bobby socks and a political poster, I like Ike. Another has stumbled past three old Beatles albums, vinyl, greatest hits, Abbey Road, the white album. There is a Jim Croce tape. This is archaeology. I wonder if it still plays. Another thumbs through a pile of newer vinyl. Of course, there are lots of photographs. What kind of an attic would it be without boxes and records and photographs? This is the attic of memory. No, we won't stop today at the wardrobe. The wardrobe is for another day 
a day of hope and imagination. Lions and witches both come from wardrobes. Today we are looking back, though. We're going to stumble and claw our way over into the back corner of this attic. There's not much light here. It is a long time since anyone came back in all this way. Dust, cobwebs, makes you sneeze. Over in the corner there is a small low box, carefully closed and tied around with a little baler's twine. This is yours. No one else knows it is here. Or if they do, they have forgotten or never understood or just don't care. But you know, and you remember, and you understand, and you care. In a way, I really don't want to be here, and you probably don't want to be here either. I, for it's not my business, and you, because in blank ink, now dusty, is penned across the top of the box a single, awful, hellish word, regret. Regret is a short synonym for hell. And up here in the attic of memory, off in the corner, sits this stupid box, which means nothing to anyone except to you. And there it is, a single box labeled regret. Open it. Go ahead. Try it, if you want. I think you may have wanted to come up here, but just never had 20 minutes of quiet to do so. Remember last summer when you thought about that box? Remember that early morning dream last month? That was a strange thing. I want to encourage you to open it, to hold it in both hands, to untie the twine, to loosen the top, to turn it over and let its contents all fall out. Good. That was a gutsy thing to do. Good for you. The reason the box was marked regret is that this is one thing that you regret. You have a regret. That is part of being human. Can you live with being human? Can you live with being a little lower than the angels? How do I know about this? As my great aunt would say, if you're so smart, how come you're not rich? A good question. I know about it because I have boxes in an attic, too. They, too, are covered with cobwebs. I, too, make my visits every now and then. My attic climbs, though very seldom. And, yes, I know regret. Not just vicariously, either. There is nothing quite as bitter as the phrase, if only.
I asked to come up here with you for a reason. Up in the attic here with that swinging bare light bulb and the Johnny Mathis vinyl record and all this dust, we may feel God. Look at the box again and all its contents spread across the floor. In the dark, I cannot see the floor, but after many years and many pulpits, I truly doubt if any of it would surprise me. After reading the Bible and Shakespeare and a few decades' worth of the newspaper, there's not that much that surprises. But it may be different for you. This is your attic, your memory, your box, your regret. It is yours. In a way, this box is more yours than any of the others, maybe all of them put together. For in this box are the articles of impeachment brought by life against us. They are multiple and they are damning. And unlike civil and criminal law, the laws of the soul do not give way to lawyerly cunning. There's no vote, no two-thirds majority needed. What is that you say? Not you, never a cutting word, never a selfish deed, never an unhealthy habit, never a compulsive trend, never a myopic judgment, never a temptation accepted, never an ungenerous year, never a non-giving decade, not you, never a misspent dollar or day or dream, Ah, but the box here doesn't lie. Nor does the conscience, nor does the memory, nor does life. It simply spells regret. There is something that both can and must be said as we pack up the regret box. It is not a human thing to say, though we are the only saying beings around, so it is up to us to do the best that we can. This is a God word, and only God speaks God's word. First, looking down at the dusty cardboard of past regret, something that, if not removed, can fester and infect and cripple. First, there is this. God forgives you. This is, according to Scripture and to the life of the Church for 2,000 years, in promise and intention, this is the divine initiative to forgive and forgive and forgive. Abraham felt it. Joseph practiced it. Hosea proclaimed it. Jesus taught us to pray for it, as we shall this morning. And for 2,000 years, the church has tried to exemplify and embody this one word, forgiven. God forgives. John Wesley asked his preachers one initial question. Do you know God to be a pardoning God? 
all other titles aside. I am one of Mr. Wesley's preachers, period. Now that, in the face of a box marked regret, such a word, forgiven, is utterly good news. In the face of the worst rejection and the most regrettable misjudgment on earth, God steadily practices a powerful forgiveness. You know, in the midst of all manner of harshness to the right and to the left, it can be hard to hear the central personal truth about God and about us enshrined in today's gospel from St. Luke, that God forgives. God forgives before we we are up in the attic at all. God forgives when we realize that we have regret. God forgives as we carry the regret around. God forgives when we hear and when we do not And it does not depend on our hearing. Do you know God to be a pardoning God? If so, you know the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear the scripture. Memorize it. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? No, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. But Maybe that's not what keeps you awake, not what makes you linger today in the attic. You may well believe and trust that God forgives, but what about those you have regrettably hurt? That is, what about the second issue of others? This can be particularly hard for those of us who have grown up and around especially hardened parents and other adults. If you have not heard an encouraging word much growing up, it can be hard later in life to believe that those other humans around you can be gracious and forgiving. They can be. As a matter of fact, most of the time, they truly are. More than most of the time. People forgive more than you know and more than you may think you deserve. And that is a true delight. People have a profound capacity to forgive and to move on. It is God-given, and it is real, and it is good. Think of the waiting father and the prodigal son. Think of Paul forgiving Peter's two-faced behavior. Think of Augustine's mother forgiving his selfishness. Think of Erasmus forgiving the wayward popes. Think of Abraham Lincoln walking through Richmond. Think of the Marshall Plan and the rebuilding of Germany in the 1940s. Think of women and men night after day for millennia. 
You may have to ask sometime for forgiveness. You probably should say, I'm sorry. Even if the pronunciation of the word is difficult, I was wrong. I was, I was wrong. I was wrong. My experience is that most people, most of the time, when confronted with a heartfelt, sincere apology from a person of integrity, will say, I understand. Let's let it go. I forgive you. It is one of the greatest things about other people. You may have to give it a little time. You may have to pray about it. You may have to trust a little. But other people will forgive you. But that may not be what holds you here in the attic either. It may be a third thing. As a matter of fact, I bet that the box is still up here, wrapped in twine and covered with dirt and marked regret for another reason. It's one thing for God to forgive you. It's one thing to accept another's forgiveness and kindness. But in the end, that still leaves you a few sandwiches short of a picnic. God has forgiven you. Your neighbor has forgiven you. Now comes the hard part. You have to forgive yourself. You have to let yourself off the hook. You have to find a way to admit to yourself that you are not 101% perfect. You have to, well, accept your own acceptance. And that can be a lot easier said than done because we have a way of holding on to what poisons us We have a way of just wrapping ourselves in a miserable kind of self-conceited self-condemnation up in the attic. Sunday is a great time to dump your guilt. God doesn't want it. No neighbor finally has much use for it. So why is it still in the box and why is that box still in the attic? What good is it? Get rid of it. When in doubt, throw it out. God forgives you. So does your neighbor. Forgive yourself. As a matter of fact, while we're here up in the attic, let's together just take this this box out. I'll hold the ladder for you while you're coming down. You can carry it with a little homiletical help. If we hurry, we can get out on the curb just before noon and the heavenly garbage truck always comes by this part of your mental world Sunday at noon sharp. And there it is, out on the curb, and soon it will be gone forever, as William Blake did sing. And throughout all eternity, I forgive you, you forgive me, And throughout all eternity, I forgive you, you forgive me. And throughout all eternity, I forgive you, you forgive me.
what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let us prepare to go to God in prayer. I invite you to assume your own prayerful posture by sitting, standing, or coming forward to kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Merciful and mighty God, our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer, through the abundance of your steadfast love, we take a moment to bow before you here in Marsh Chapel or wherever we are in awe of you. With all that is within us, we praise your holy name. For forgetting and forgetting all of our sins, we praise you and thank you. For Christ our Lord and Redeemer, we praise and thank you. God, our Creator, great is the work of your hand. In your wisdom, you made a world of diversity. Work within us so that we not merely accept diversity, we value it. We pray for our nation, its current leaders, and the people striving to become its next leaders. God, our sustainer, we ask you to fill them with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Abide with them so that the words from their mouths and the meditations of their hearts are acceptable to you. Humbly, we confess that we have failed to live as Christ taught us. We find it impossible to love our enemies and difficult to forgive others. We often keep a full account of what we give others and demand full payment in return. We hold grudges, boasting that it is a sign of our strength. We truly believe that some deeds are unforgivable. Merciful Father, forgive us. We put our trust in you, asking you to lead us to, in your righteousness. Guide us to follow your example of incomparable compassion and grace. Sustainer God, cleanse our hearts so that we may be slow to anger and abounding in love. And so we ask you to abide with us, Spirit of Truth, as we pray not only for victims of violence and first responders, but we pray for ourselves that we may, be, that we may find a way to get past our worldly desires and ask forgiveness for the perpetrators. 
As faithful children of God, we ask you to cease the winds and calm the seas that torment us. We ask for the peace of your presence. For all who grieve and for all who are oppressed, especially our brothers and sisters in Orlando and across this city. We, for the sick, we pray for comfort, hope, and healing. We ask you to dwell in our hearts so that as we face storms of anguish, we face them with prayerful patience and faith. We call on you, God, for you will answer us. Give ear to us and hear our prayers, for we offer them sincerely and faithfully in the name of God, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now, as a community of faith, we join voices together to pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We welcome to our service this morning the Voices of Aloha, an ensemble including current and former students of the University of Hawaii at Manoa who are or have been in the school's premier choral ensemble, Chamber Singers. They come to us under the direction of Miguel Angel Felipe, Dr. Miguel Angel Felipe, who finished his DMA here at Boston University just a few years ago. Welcome home. We note that uh, before the service next Sunday at 9.45 a.m., we will be holding a Father's Day brunch downstairs. We invite especially families and fathers to join us, but all are welcome. The following Sunday, June 26th at 12 noon, uh, just following the service, we'll be having a brief vacation Bible school for children and families with children, including lunch, music, Bible verses, and fellowship. Please join us downstairs for that. And then the following Sunday, July 3rd, we'll be holding our annual Independence Day weekend barbecue on the BU Beach after the service. As the Voices of Aloha sing our offertory, Unclouded Day, arranged by Sean Kirchner, we invite you to, and the ushers wait upon us, we invite you to continue to pray for the at least 50 lives lost in the wee hours of this morning in Orlando, Florida. Grant to them eternal rest, O God, and may light perpetual shine upon them. Grant consolation to their families and friends, and grant us mercy and compassion, wisdom and judgment to bring about your kingdom of compassion, love, justice, and peace. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
thou spirit of life, make us masters of ourselves that we might live as servants of others. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.